Welcome to Fick Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodity strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence Fick Research Team. Welcome to the Fick Focus Podcast, Macro Matters Edition. I'm Ira Jersey. I am the Chief U.S. Interest Rate Strategist for Bloomberg Intelligence, the research arm of Bloomberg LP. With me today is our Chief Mortgage Strategist, Erica Edelberg. Erica, thanks for coming back on the Fick Focus Podcast. Hi, Ira. Thanks for having me. So the mortgage market has been getting a lot of attention lately, both uh, the securities and obviously the housing market and the implications for uh, for the macro economy, you know, talk a little bit about recent spread moves and, and what's been going on in terms of valuation, uh, firstly, and, and secondly, maybe, you know, how that's being affected by things like supply and, uh, and house price appreciation, the fact that we've actually not seen a significant downturn in house prices, even though um, we've seen interest rates, uh, you know, skyrocket up towards 7% for mortgage rates. Very interesting things going on uh, in mortgages and the housing market. And of course, they're you know related. Uh, but mortgages have been on a widening trend ever since the Fed pulled out of the market. Now, that was the the announcement came in late 2021. They officially started winding down uh, their purchase operations then, and officially started winding down the portfolio itself in June of last year. And since June of last year, uh, mortgages have widened about 60 basis points from, you know, 60, 70 basis points to treasuries to about 125 basis points to treasuries. And everybody said, oh, you know, we've now priced in the uh, Fed being out of the market. But in fact, a lot of other things have happened. Volatility has been extremely high, both in terms of return volatility and implied volatility. Um, and even though supply itself, as you mentioned, is way down, new issue supply in particular, but also net supply because the housing market has slowed down so much and prices have stopped rising. Um, even though supply has been light, the market has been dominated by total rate of return investors who have required wider spread compensation for the risks. Now, mortgage risks is another interesting idea because right now with so many homeowners locked into these low rate mortgages, there's not a lot of refinancing risk. There's a little bit of extension risk, as we call it. So people might actually hold on to their mortgages longer than you'd expect uh, or had priced in. And that can actually be a risk when suddenly you have a 2% bond uh, that's, you know, had been scheduled to prepay a little bit more quickly and is now, you know, basically uh, flatlining at four or five percent, but then also you don't have a lot of call risk, so that's usually the bigger risk, and that's the refi risk that the homeowner um, has and that the investor is short, and that's so far out of the money right now that the convexity of the mortgage market is actually basically neutral uh, overall for the whole index, which is an unusual situation. So risks uh, from that perspective are lower for mortgages, but there's just spread risk, especially with these mortgage is now a very long duration, very long spread duration and very sensitive to both rate and spread moves. So so from an investing standpoint, if you're an investor and, and you're looking at mortgages, um, you know, within, I guess, the mortgage stack, number one, um, you know, for current, current coupon mortgages versus seasoned mortgages, so mortgages, say, that had 
uh, you know, that, that were issued in 2021, which which is going to be a large portion, obviously, of, of the mortgages outstanding, given a lot of people refinanced back then. Um, you, you know, what, at what valuation do current coupons and and or um, those 2021 vintage uh, securities become attractive or unattractive compared to each other? Right. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of stopped us all in this discussion at 125 basis points to show to the curve for the current coupon. Uh, what I should have mentioned is we're now closer to 170 basis points for what's currently producible. Um, so we've widened, you know, more than 50 basis points just, just since last summer, just since the Fed taper actually began. Interestingly, the lower coupon mortgages, uh, like the two, two and a half percent, those are the ones that are really quite positively convex at this point, long duration, but positively convex. And those obviously offer a lot lower spreads to treasuries to compensate for that very low risk. Um, but on the other hand, you're still getting, you know, a decent spread to treasuries. Right now, the option adjusted spread for two, two and a halves are, you know, about 30 basis points. Um, whereas for higher coupons where there's more risk priced in, but there's also, you know, probably more risk premium uh, available. Those are more like 50 basis points. And that that's for the security that's trading at about 172 uh, treasuries right now. There's not a huge amount of those around, but they're certainly very actively traded. They're actually more actively traded than the lower coupon bonds, which are a lot of which are in the Fed's portfolio or held in bank portfolios. Um, so Wait, in so general, when you say when, yeah. when you say um, when you say 170 over treasuries, you know, I think of investment grade corporates, um, you know, trading somewhere, you know, 125 over uh, treasuries. Um, you know, is there, is what's primarily the reason for that uh, disconnect and the fact that mortgages seem to be relatively wide compared to competing investment grade uh, spread product? Well, again, you have what we call, you know, option cost. And the reason that mortgages generally on a nominal basis do trade wider to treasuries than some of these fixed rate, uh, even credit bonds, uh, is that you have, you, you've given the right of a call option to the homeowner. In other words, as soon as interest rates fall a little bit, those homeowners can refinance their mortgage and give you back all your capital at par you thought you had a very attractive security because you had, let's say, a higher a coupon that was a little above um, current rates. So let's say you had a six and a half percent coupon bond coupon coming to you. That's the exact coupon that's going to be refinanced. Probably, if interest rates fall 50 to 100 basis points, that should make your price go up because if if interest rates fall, your six and a half percent coupon's worth a bit more. But in fact, you're going to get back at least some of that principal early and have to reinvest it at the lower interest rate, you know, five, five and a half percent, whatever interest rates have fallen to. Now, you know, non-callable bonds don't have that risk. So once you adjust for that risk, you, you do have things trading at a wider spread nominally, but not necessarily a wider spread on an option adjusted basis versus some of these non-callable bonds. Great. So, so talk a little bit about what you're seeing in the housing market in in general. And you know, we've seen mortgage applications, both uh, both purchase as well as refinance, you know, being relatively low. Um, you know, how how do you think 
things can shape up, like if, if the Federal Reserve does what we think it's going to do in terms of uh, kind of pausing at these pretty high yields, but you can see 10-year treasuries rally a little, but not a ton, um, let's say 50 basis points, 75 basis points, something like that. Um, would that potentially bring in uh, potential home buyers that are on the sideline or people who are looking to move their houses um, from, uh, you know, and kind of get some of the mortgage market unstuck? Um, you know, a big reason that it's been posited that the, the, uh, the housing market isn't seeing the type of turnover that that you might think, given the strength of the economy, is just that people are stuck in their very low interest rate mortgages and they don't want to move to to wind up getting a higher uh, mortgage rate. So, um, you know, will 75 basis points, I guess, be enough for that to change, or probably not? Well, you know, first of all, just to put a you know exclamation mark on your comment about the mortgage purchase indices. MBA uh, Mortgage Banker Association publishes a weekly me metric for loan application data, and they do break it out by refis and loan purchases, both of which are extremely low. And when we say low, I noted this morning that the mortgage purchase index itself came out at its lowest level since 1995 on total number of applications, except for one week in the end of February. So, and winter is traditionally much slower season, although these are seasonally adjusted. So, you know, we're, we're, we're talking, you know, almost 30 year lows. Um, and refis, of course, are also pretty much non-economic for most borrowers. So, you know, what can unstick that? Well, the thing is that mortgage homeowners, rather, are being hit by triple whammy right now. Not only are mortgage rates much higher than they have been, so a lot of these homeowners, as you say, are stuck in these low coupon mortgages with, you know, perhaps a lot of hesitancy to relocate and take out a much higher mortgage, especially when home prices have risen. But there's also relatively low mortgage credit availability uh, index right now for for lenders. In other words, lending standards are tight. Uh, those are the lowest in about 10 years. And then the third thing that's happening with the triple whammy is just there's so few homes available for a potential buyer to to buy. And the reason is because, for one thing, as you mentioned, the existing homeowners don't necessarily want to give up their mortgage. New home builders had they're they're actually jumping into this fray and they're offering a lot of new offerings but unfortunately for the 10 years after the financial crisis let's say 2009 to 2019 they had just completely pulled back on what they were building so we do have what looks to us like a structural undersupply of homes available you know even if interest rates fall a little bit um you know the vacancy rate as of uh, home vacancy rate homes that can be available for sale uh, according to the u.s census bureau is kind of <laughs> the lowest level since the series began in 1952 uh, on a percentage basis of housing stock so um you know really just very few homes available for sale so even if interest rates fall some i think that does help unstick the mortgage market a little bit i'm sure there are some people who are you know probably still looking to upsize or relocate, you know, for a job or family or other reasons, you know, who might, I think that Redfin, for instance, said the 5% rate might be, you know, a ticket for some of these people to feel more comfortable relocating. But in general, you also have tight credit and tight housing inventories. So it can only become so unstuck, which I think keeps mortgage-backed security supply extremely low. Um, 
which is probably you know a good tailwind for the sector at the margin. We just have fewer also buyers in the sector right now because the Fed is no longer buying and banks have been pulling back as well. So another thing that's uh, that's always on the agenda it seems is uh, is changes in mortgage regulations and changes in the mortgage uh, the structure of the mortgage market. Um, can you talk about some of the more recent changes, say the changes that have kind of been, either been announced or or gone into effect over the last uh, year or so uh, for the mortgage market and maybe how that's affecting uh, liquidity issuance and and just how the market functions in general. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say the biggest one to talk about right now, it's it's the most current, but it's actually, you know, being phased in and it's actually still in this discussion stage. Uh, so who knows what the final form will be, but the, but the one that was announced just last week is the one that could have the biggest implications. And that is that as a result of the bank blowups that we saw in the spring in particular, um, there's going to be a higher credit um, a higher reserve requirement for banks for mortgage loans on their books that have above an 80% LTV, which was actually a surprisingly large percentage, I think about 20% or something of those loans. So as a result, especially those loans, but perhaps even mortgage lending in general, let's say they're pulling up credit a little bit, um, you know, it's going to shift more and more probably to the non-banks, uh, the independent mortgage banks, uh, who tend to charge more for lending actually sometimes than the banks themselves. What banks do is they tend to focus on their best clients at least these days. And you know they sometimes can offer them an attractive mortgage rate uh, even for a jumbo loan or maybe especially for a jumbo loan. We've seen the jumbo to conforming loan rate really collapse. And I think that's you know already a sign that banks have been pulling back in fear of these increased regulations. Uh, it could on the other hand, because they banks still have um, you know, good capital uh, rating for Ginnie Mae's, it could actually shift some of their demand towards back towards mortgage backed securities, in particular to Ginnie Mae's. So it could actually boost their Ginnie Mae demand, which would, um, you know, help that market a little bit. Great. Well, that was Erica Edelberg, our chief mortgage strategist here at Bloomberg Intelligence. Erica, thanks for coming back on Fic Focus. Sure. Thanks for having me. Great to talk to you. Now we turn to our interest rate intro with Will Hoffman. Will, what question do you have for me today? Hey, Ira. Thank you for having me as always. Uh, as you know, we put out a note this morning touching on sovereign yields kind of across the global markets. And something we noted is the correlations between some of these major uh, bond markets. I was hoping you could talk a little bit about what causes this and how you see this dynamic moving forward. So global bonds have been very correlated. Um, I mean, they usually are, right? When you talk about yields of Germany, the UK, the US, and, and Japan, where they have very liquid, highly rated bonds, even though the US is no longer rated AAA, neither is England or or Japan for that matter. So, but, but these are large liquid sovereign bond markets and they're used for a variety of purposes, both for regulatory purposes, similar to what Erica was just talking about with mortgages, but also, um, you know, people have a choice as to whether, you know, which market they're going to jump into. So there tends to be very high correlation between them. And in fact, 
fact, over the last month, it's been a, over 75, uh, 0.75 correlations uh, in, in the changes in yield between all of those um, on a uh, on a day-over-day -day basis. So, um, you know, the, the, there was also, all of these markets also are very conditioned um, to move based on the economy of the more developed markets, whereas you could have more nuance in, say, certain mark, uh, parts of the periphery or, or frontier markets within uh, within the EM landscape, um, these markets tend to also, uh, these economies tend to be very correlated as well. So that's one reason why you also get the, uh, the, the correlation in, in rates. Um, you also have su su a lot of uh, supply dynamics and, and dynamics that occur um, because of uh, because of central banks, so when you have more treasuries, then you have more general supply of global government debt, and yet you wind up seeing those markets sell off a little bit when policy actions occur. For example, Bank of England makes a surprise hike, or the Bank of Japan eases yield curve control. Um, you know that sets off this chain of events that you end up having um, just uh, you know big moves uh, in all of those markets together. Um, the the other interesting thing from that piece that I would note will is the, uh, the the fact that you have because of hedging costs in the FX market, you now can actually uh, U.S.-based investors can buy Japanese government bonds at significantly higher yields than they can other uh, other government bond yields when you fully hedge your uh, you, you, when you hedge your your FX exposure back to dollars. So so that's an interesting uh, dynamic that has has existed for a little while, a couple of uh, you know a couple of quarters, um, but it's actually gotten somewhat worse as we've gotten interest rate differentials moving, um, moving somewhat, uh, uh, moving interestingly on the forward basis. So, so you can definitely maybe, you know, consider if, if you have a choice between what securities you can buy, then some investors who can, um, you know, can go international might consider buying JGBs instead of saying, you know, maybe German boons or, or British gilts. Uh, with that, I'm going to say thank you very much to Will Hoffman. On behalf of myself, Will Hoffman, and Erica Edelberg, uh, I appreciate you listening. If you have any questions or comments for us, please hit us up on the Bloomberg Terminal, and we'd appreciate it if you rated and left us a review on whatever podcatcher that you're listening to this on. And until next time, be well.